Trinity Baptist Church. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you, and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the twelve men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe. And he said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you. In the future... When your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of tribes of Israelites, as the Lord had told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to their camp, where they put them down. Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they are there to this day. Now the priests who carried the Ark remained standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything the Lord had commanded Joshua was done by the people, just as Moses had directed Joshua. The people hurried over. And as soon as all of them had crossed, the ark of the Lord and the priest came to the other side while the people watched. The men of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Menasseh crossed over in front of the Israelites, ready for battle, as Moses had directed them. About 40,000 armed for battle crossed over before the Lord to the plains of Jericho for war. That day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all of Israel. And they stood in awe of him all the days of his life, just as they stood in awe of Moses. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Command the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant law to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priests, Come up out of the Jordan. And the priest came up out of the river, carrying the ark of the Lord. No sooner had they set their foot on dry ground, the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and returned at flood stage as before. On the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the twelve stones they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, In the future, 
when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you may always fear the Lord your God. The word of the Lord. I brought some bling with me today. Um, I, I keep these in my closet. They're hung where I can prominently see them. And I want to just tell you about them. Um, so this is the first one I got. This is for the Chicago Marathon in 2008. And um, this one took me about uh, 10 months to train for because I had never run, a, well, I hadn't run a step since I was probably in high school. So um, this was really hard. I finished it in five hours flat. I pushed and pushed to finish it in five hours because I wanted to even though I had a stress fracture in my tibia, which I had found out two weeks before. Um, so this one, you know, was pretty cool. Then I had this one, and where's the next one? Um, this, the next one is this half marathon that I ran in March of 2010. So the first one was a marathon in 08, in, in October of 08, and then March 2010, and I ran that one, and that one was a whole lot easier than this one. Um, but it was still good because the next one that I ran was, and this is my favorite one, the, the, the least, the least um, blingy is my favorite because this is the 2010 New York City Marathon. Um, yeah, some, some people are giving me a golf clap. You know, because you probably got, got 18 of these in yours. Um, this one I finished in 442, um, the last six miles of which I ran with a micro tear in my calf. How's that? Um, and after that one, I said, no more marathons. I'm done. I can't, my body can't take it. And then I ran two more half marathons. Um, and I'm running another one this March. So here's... Here's why I bring this up. I don't, I don't hope, put these out in my office so everybody else can see them. I don't put them on display. I only bring them up and tell you guys about them. Um, these are trophies for me. They're trophies because they're trophies of what I can do when I put my mind to it. And having this one made this one easier to get. Because when I looked at this, I said, well, I did this so I can do that. 
And then looking at these two made this one easier to get because I said, well, I did those two. I can do that. And so these, these things are not there to show me, hey, this is what you did in your past. These are there to show me what I can do in my future. See, that's what trophies are for. This morning, we are um, continuing our study in the book of Joshua, where we're talking about taking new ground. As we've been walking through this, this book, we've been talking about what it means for us to take new ground in our lives spiritually as individuals. And um, some of you have come to me and said how timely this has been and, and that it's really you know, been uh, life-changing for you. That's awesome. But what, what is, it's not coincidence that we're doing this study right now because we are in a crossover time in our church where we need to take new ground. We don't want to die in the wilderness. We don't want to be status quo. We need to take new ground. And it's unfamiliar. We don't know what it's going to look like. And we need to step forward in faith. Um, so going through this, this book is hopefully good for us as individuals and taking new ground spiritually. But it, it hopefully also will be good for us as a, as a community of faith as we think about corporately what we must do in order to take new ground as a church. So this morning we are looking at chapter 4 where the text that Spring and Greg read to us where Israel actually crosses the river. And I think it's, um, it's pretty cool. If you would turn to Joshua chapter 4, and what we're going to see this morning are some trophies for Israel. These verses that were read a few moments ago talk about the people crossing through the river and about some stones that were taken out of the river and set up as memorial. And I don't know about you. Maybe it was clear to you as it, they were, the verses were being read, or maybe you read it before you came and it all made sense to you. But there was a section in there that was kind of confusing. Because, listen to verses 8 and 9 again. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, as the Lord had told Joshua, and they carried them over with them to their camp where they put them down. Okay, I got that. I'm tracking with that. The 12 guys that they chose, they got the stone, they got a stone from the middle, they took it out of the river, they set it down on the west bank when they came out of the riverbed. Okay, I'm tracking totally with that. But then you get verse 9. Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they are there to this day. Now, here's where my confusion comes in. My question is, does this mean that the stones they took out of the river 
were from where the priest stood and they set them up on the bank and they're there to this day? Or does it mean that there's a, a set of stones that they set up in the middle of the river where the priest stood? That's my confusion. Um, now, first I thought, well, they, they set them up on the bank and that's where it was. And, and, and th- But then you read down. Look at verses 19 and 20. On the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the twelve stones they had taken out of the Jordan. <laughs> Wait a minute. What's going on? Verse 9 says that the first group of stones Joshua set up are there to this day. But then it appears that the same stones travel up to Gilgal to be set up again. Um, I don't know about you, but that was confusing to me. Am I the only one in the confused? Am I just adding to your confusion? So I did some looking. And if you, if you ever come to a text that's confusing, read a bunch of different translations. Because the original language can be translated different ways and translators have to make some word choices. And, and so I did that. And here's how the Revised Standard Version translates verse 9. Joshua set up 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan in the place where the feet of the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they are there to this day. Here's how the New American Standard Bible translates verse 9. And Joshua set up 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan in the place where the feet of the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they are there to this day. Hmm. Okay. Well, that seems to make sense. Now we got two memorials. We got one in the middle of the river, and we got one at Gilgal. But why two? Uh, why set one up in the middle? I mean, I can, I can see Joshua out there piling up these stones where the ark. The, the priests with the ark were standing, and I can see people on this, the, the bank saying, what the heck's he doing? Why is he setting up a memorial in the middle of the riverbed when the waters come back, nobody's going to be able to see it? What's the point? What's the point of memorials? The end of verse 7 says, These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. And then verse 21 says, He said to the Israelites, In the future, when your descendants ask their fathers, What do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan just what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that 
all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. See, those stones were set up as a trophy of what God had done to bring people out of their wandering in the wilderness and into the promised land. They were to be a constant reminder of God's miraculous work in their lives. Now that makes sense to me about the stones at Gilgal. Because you can see them. And you can talk about them. And you can say, yeah, this, these things mean that we crossed over. But what about the one in the middle of the river? The text doesn't say this explicitly. But I think what it implies is that those stones in the middle of the river represented the burial of the sinful nation's past. Those stones, one from each of the tribes, represented all of those who had been buried in the wilderness on the other side because of their sin of disbelief. See, I think Joshua wanted the people not only to remember that God had miraculously brought them through and brought them over, I think he wanted them to remember what happened to the people who didn't believe who didn't have faith, who, in essence, died in their sin. So when parents would come to Gilgal and they would see the the memorial in Gilgal, they would say, kids, these stones represent the fact that our God is powerful and our God opened the way through the Jordan and we walked through through this river on dry ground right about there. But what you can't see, kids, is that under that water is another memorial that bears testimony to those who who died in the wilderness because of their sin of unbelief. Two memorials. One that represents... Death to sin, burial. And the other that represents a new life of victory in Canaan. Ring any bells? We have a memorial called baptism. In which we are buried under water that identifies us with the death of Christ and we are our our sins are buried under that water and when we come up we come up to the new life the the regenerate life it's the it's the the old self the the self of disbelief that is buried under the water and it's the new self that is raised to life. That raised out of the wilderness, if you will. It's the, the one of belief that comes up. The second, um, are, it's, I, I don't think it's coincidental 
that if you were a non-Jew and you wanted to become a follower of Jehovah, um, you had to be baptized where? In the Jordan. That was my past. It's dead. It's buried. It's gone. Now I'm coming into the new life. So we have that one memorial of baptism, but the other memorial we celebrate every week, and it's the memorial of communion, the memorial of the Lord's Supper, which is the memorial of life. It's the memorial of faith when we, we say we have put our faith in what Jesus Christ did on the cross, his death and his resurrection, and because of that, we have life. We have come into the, the promised land. That's Gilgal. Two memorials, two reminders, two trophies, if you will, of what God has done in our past. But friends, just like it was for Israel, these memorials need to be more, they need to be reminders of us of what God has done in our past, not so that we can live in the past, but so that we can have courage and confidence and faith to walk into the future. That Chicago Marathon medal gave me courage to do the next one. And those first two gave me courage to do the third one. And those, that's what they're there for. To remind us so that we can move forward. Let me um, show you another Old Testament um, trophy. Turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. It's two books to your right. Joshua, Judges, 1 Samuel. Everybody knows this story. If you've never been in church before, you know this story. This is David and Goliath, okay? Now, you may not know it by those names, but that you know this story. Little guy beats big guy. David is, this is before he is king. He is this teenage shepherd who takes care of his dad's flocks. His older brothers are away. The, the, the Israelite army is fighting the Philistines. And so the, his, his brothers are on the battlefield. And, and so Jesse, his dad, says, hey, David, take some take some cheese and some wine out to the boys on the field, you know, have a little battle picnic, I guess. I don't know. Um, go, go take them a snack and find out what's going on and bring back a report. So David goes and he sees his brothers. And when he, when he shows up, he sees that the army of Israel is shaken in their sandals because of this big guy named Goliath. And so David says, 1 Samuel 17, verse 26, he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Now, we know the story, right? David's older brother, oldest brother, Eliab, says, David, you don't belong here. You're too young. You're too small. Go home. Take care of the flocks. David says, I don't think so. 
So David goes to Saul, and he essentially tells Saul, I can take this guy. Uh, Well, not me, actually, but God can take this guy. I mean, this guy just, you know, he's a LeBron James wannabe. He's not the real deal. I can take him down. And so Saul says, okay, give it a shot. And so David goes and skip down to verse 41. It says, Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, Am I a dog? That you come at me with sticks? He's talking smack. This is Philistine trash talk right here. And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will hand you over to me and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. And the whole world will know that David is awesome. The whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and He will give all of you into our hands. You know how the story ends, right? David picks up a stone and he fires it and it Nails Goliath in the forehead. Goliath goes down and David walks over and cuts off his head. As he said he would do. Philistine army runs. Israelite army chases them and defeats them. But I want you to notice verse 54. David took the Philistine's head, which he cut off, as he said he would, and brought it to Jerusalem. And he put the Philistine's weapons in his own tent. Why get a sword that's too big for you? Why get a shield that's too big for you? Why get a javelin that's too big for you? For a trophy. So that you, every time David would walk into his tent, he would see that armor, he would see that stuff, and he would say, that's what my God can do. It wasn't so that he could relive the glory of his past. It was so that he would have faith and courage and confidence as he stepped into his future. That's the purpose of trophies. Um, Question. Do you recognize God's work in your life? Do you know when the hand of God is at work and doing things in your life? 
And if you do recognize it, do you memorialize it? Do you create a trophy so that, so that there's that thing that you see that says, God did that. And because God did that, I know he can do this. That's what the memorials of the Jordan were all about. That's what the, the um, armor and, and the weapons of Goliath were all about. It was about remembering what God did in the past so that I can have faith and confidence in what God will do in the future. That's what trophies are for. I got a bunch of trophies in my life of what God has done so that I can point to that, so that I can see that, so that it reminds me that God did this at this time in my life. Therefore, I can trust him for what's next, even though I don't know what's next. Um, All three of my kids are trophies. We... We were the infertile couple. We struggled with infertility for years. And then God gave us Hannah. And then four and a half years later, God gave us the twins. And now every time I see my kids, well, not every time I see my kids, but um, sometimes I'm going, Lord, why did you give these to me? Um, just kidding. Um, no, actually, I'm not kidding. <laughs> Most of the time when I look at these guys, I say they're a trophy. They're a trophy of God's grace and mercy and miracle-working power in my life. And that gives me confidence for what's next. Um, New York City is a trophy for me. I walk the streets of this city, and I, there are days when I'm just blown away by what God did to bring us here and how he orchestrated all these pieces that fell into place so that we could come to the city, so that we could be a part of this church. And I, it's, it's a trophy. It's just a reminder of what God has done. Uh, our apartment is a trophy. Our apartment sat, va- sat vacant for nine years, held up in an estate, and it finally came on the market and happened to be at the bottom of the market in 1994. And, and we made an offer that was way below market value. And they accepted our offer. And now we own a co-op a block from the church. Um, that I couldn't afford to live in this neighborhood today. And I walk into that place and I say, thank you, Lord. This is what you can do. And there are a number of other trophies in my life that I look at and I say, uh, this, is, this is what God has done in my past. And so I know that God will work in the future. Do you have those trophies? There there are people that you see that are reminders to you of what God has done through them in you. 
that ought to give you confidence for going forward. There are places that you go. There are things that you own. There are mementos that you've saved because of, of what they mean with regard to God's miraculous work in your life. Your Bible ought to be a trophy. This is, this is a trophy in my life. Um, you can see that I've duct taped it together um, several times. There, the pages inside are frayed and a lot of them are torn and I got tape all over the place and a lot of the, you know, pages are yellow and, and you keep, just get a new Bible. Not a chance. Not a chance. Because there are pages in here that I turn to where there's a note in the margin that reminds me of what God did on that particular day to bring this truth alive in my life, and it changed me. And if He did it then, He'll do it again. This is a trophy. And I hope your Bible is too. We're going to come to the table. We're going to celebrate this memorial. But before we do, I want to I encourage you to do something. I want, I want each of us to spend some time. I'm going to ask Matt and the guys to come and, and give us some music to reflect by. And I want you to think of the times that God has worked in your life And, and, and think, just try to recognize very specific moments when maybe it was your salvation, maybe it was um, some, I don't know, whatever it was. But think of those specific times that God worked in your life that, and then think of something that you have that memorializes it. And if you don't have something that memorializes it, Get creative, and you might want to just jot it down and say, okay, I don't have something, I don't have a trophy for this, but I'm going to create one this week. There's some life response questions at the bottom of your bulletin that will help you kind of start thinking this through. But, um, you know, maybe it's the job that God gave you, or maybe it's the family, or, or whatever it is. But we need... To have these reminders in our lives of what God has done. Not so that we live in the past. But so we have confidence and courage and faith to step into the future. Because we know that if God did that, then he will do this. So let's, let's spend a, f- a few minutes in, in reflection. If you guys will play and then I'll bring us to the table. Lord, I thank you for this this text in Joshua 4. The fact that they they could have confidence to take the new ground of Canaan because of what you had done. And I pray, Lord, that 
just as they had memorials to remind them of your faithfulness and your care and your might in their lives. I pray that we too would establish those very specific memorials for each of us because if we're going to have the confidence to take new ground in our lives, to take new ground in our church, we need to remember. So I pray that you would help us get creative with that this week. And Lord, I thank you for the the memorial of, of the table. I thank you for what it represents. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance, to remember me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Lord, we thank you for the cross. We thank you that because of faith, because of faith in what you have done in your body being broken and your blood being shed, as we remember that work, Lord, that gives us strength and power and confidence to move into our future. So I pray, Lord, that as we come to the table this morning, we would, we would remember, but not because it's history, but we would remember because it's power to move forward.